that our, our generation is facing a crisis it's never faced before, not at this magnitude before. Um, I think if you study the history of the world, that you wouldn't ever find such fatherlessness. I think that's the number one problem in all of the world, not just in America. Um, there are orphans and widows and, and people that are lonely and aren't, don't have families and they're, they're homeless and they have no people to hang out with. And, 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 and across the whole world, it's that way. And the Bible says that God puts us in, in the lonely in families. Like he puts us in families. And so what, what's happening, and we're seeing it really bad in Western cultures in, here, in America and in Europe and stuff, where the family unit has been completely redefined. Like used to the family was like mom, dad, and kids. And then now it's, it could be mom and dad and just doggies. <laughs> and you even have funny people, which it's fine if you do this on your car. I'm not making fun. I'm just saying. They have, you know, the little stick figures of the husband and the wife on their car. And then they have like their MacBook computer or their dog or whatever. And they don't have the kids anymore. And then you've got different kinds of families, right? And now uh, there's this assault that's just, it's been ramped up through, generate, through a few generations now on trying to redefine what a family is. And the enemy knows if he can destroy the family, he can destroy every one of us. Because the family is where, where God's love is poured into. It's the vessel. It's the cup that holds the presence of God. Because he didn't want to live in a temple. He didn't want to live in a church. That's why he created a whole new covenant. He wanted to come to your house and hang out with you forever. So the family unit has been under attack, and so now we've got people trying to redefine what marriage is. No, marriage is one man, one woman, period. Then you've got saying, oh, we can have these civil, li- civil unions, and, and marriage can be one man and one man and one woman and one woman. And, and then the argument is, well, then why can't it be six men and two women and call it marriage? If you can redefine the one plus one equals marriage, then you can, if you can take away one number and put a two there, then you can change the whole equation. And that's what's happening in America and in Western cultures. The whole family unit is under attack. And so what happens when there's a crisis? God brings a solution. And the solution is he reveals his, not, his kindness to us. And he reveals himself as a father again. So I feel... That you know, if, I, if I have one calling, if I have one area that I, wanna, that I focus on more than any, and if you've been here for any amount of time, it's this. I want to see the Father right. I want to see Him through pure eyes. I don't want to have Father issues with Daddy God. Because if that is messed up, then everything crumbles. It's the top button on the shirt. <laughs> you get it right, everything else is right. You get it out of line and you have a mess, right? And you have to go back and redo it. So what God is doing is he says that in the last days that he would send a spirit on the earth, the spirit of Elijah, the the spirit of the prophet Elijah, and he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. And that's where we're in right now. We are in that era, that season of heaven's time when God says it's time to reveal myself as a father again. It's time for people to see me as a father. And so everything we do here at the church, we, we put our family first. Absolutely. Um, we've reshuffled the deck, and you're going to see in a couple weeks, but our vision here is if we can host, we will host God in our families first, in our church second, in our community third, and on the earth fourth. Because we want the whole earth to be filled with the presence of God, with the weightiness of, of the goodness of God. 
If we skip the family and start it and have a revival in our church and don't teach people how to take it home and host them in their homes, then it seeps out and it leaks through and it's a broken vessel. But if we fix the family first, watch out. When dads, all the dads in the room, when we step up and become dads, I mean, like where our kids want to call us daddy and not just, hey, dad. You know what I mean? There's a difference. I love like Italian children or, or, or Spanish, Poppy and all that. I love hearing those, those, those views. It's so sweet. It's different than just, hey, dad, will you get that? God's turning us from dad to daddy. And when dad's right, the whole family's fixed. All the ladies are like, amen. <laughs> because what happens when dad takes his role in the home? It doesn't mean he lords over the home. It doesn't mean the remote has his name on it. <laughs> even though that's the case in most of our living rooms. <laughs> it, it means that dad takes that role of protector and that person who, who is the representation, who represents who the father is in the home. So my job and your job as a dad, as daddy, is to show our family who daddy God is. When we do that, then the wives can take their role, which is to just, you're the best ever, you're so handsome. You're so strong, Daddy. And then the wives start calling us Daddy, and it's over. <laughs> we get more stickers on the car with kids. <laughs> Y'all are a little slow. <laughs> but when Dad gets in the right place, then it takes the pressure off of Mom trying to do both. And all of a sudden, the mom can come in. And, and men, let me ask you this. How many love it when your wife brags on you? Like, man, when she was bragging on me today, I was like, man, I want everyone to go home. And I just want to go on a date with my wife. My sweet, awesome husband. I was like, she's buttering me up, you know. But man, don't you just love it when your wife just really means it. And she's like, you're awesome. You're a good dad. You're a good husband. Whatever it is. That's their role. And when we actually live up to it, and they can do it without, like, speaking it into existence... <laughs> I'm prophesying over you, baby. You're a good dad. <laughs> You're a good provider. But when we take our place and we jump into that role, then the home feels like heaven because we're where we're supposed to be and the wife is where she needs to be. And then it opens up our kids to where they can be who they're supposed to be. And that's what heaven in the home is called. Right? That's how it is right there. That's how our homes can feel like heaven. Oh. So that's where we're at. Right now, that's what God is doing. That's the epic season that we're in right now. The laws have been rewritten. In Daniel, it talks about that the enemy will, will be released for time, time, and a half time. Some of you people have studied this before. It says a time, time, and a half time. And it says they will change the laws by going, they will change the rule of the land, the government of the land, by going in and changing the laws of the land through the, through the judiciary branches. It says Satan, he himself, will be released for time, time and a half time, and he will rewrite the way everything's done. But then it says, but court will be set for justice. Then it says, all of that phony stuff that's been passed through, through earthly legislation will be over. Those epic seasons of time, time and a half time will end, and then the actual judge himself will sit on his throne and rewrite the laws the way they're supposed to be. We're in that season right now where God is rewriting the laws and the way, Nate, the way things work. He's teaching us and revealing to us what's happening in heaven so that we can reproduce it here on the earth. Are you guys with me?
And you and I are key to that happening. We are crucial to this plan. Amen? No, no, no more apologies for being Christians. No more being ashamed to tell other people we're Christians because of the way we've acted. No more part-time Christians. Let's get the family healthy and whole. So when the world looks at our family, they're like, you know, that's family. We don't have to preach it to them. We don't have to dictate to them and tell them they're wrong. Just show them what family's supposed to look like. I'll clap on that one. Says, this, is, this is how they will know you are my disciples. By the love you have, one for another. Not by your preaching. Not by your silent um, raids on the abortion clinics. Not by your anti-gay rallies. That's not how we do it. We show what real family is. And when people that are hungry for real family see real family, they will be drawn to it. It's just the way it is. How many of you, whenever you got hungry for God, you you knew where to go? (laughs) Like something happened. Like the Spirit of God Himself drew you to a place of hunger, and you knew where that was, was leading you. And we're still in that place. It's the, same, it's the same thing for people that don't have a relationship with Daddy God. The way that they will be drawn to him is when they see the real, the reality of who he is. When they see the, the real and not the phony. Amen? Amen. Let's pray for that. That's just kind of an intro. But Father, we just say yes to that. I pray, I thank you for Matt and Belinda and for the Family Life Program. I, I thank you for what they're attempting and sowing into in this church. Father, I thank you for the families here that are becoming healthy and whole. Yeah, it's awesome what you're doing. I love that we're hearing you and we're responding to you. And we're starting in our homes. And we're submitting to our wives. And the wives are, are submitting to the husbands. And children are coming into alignment with the new government in their home. And God, we thank you for that. We say more of it. We, we ask that you make our homes like heaven, God. And Father, as this happens, I pray that it will become a light. I pray that it will become something that attracts attention from other people. And when they think of family, they think of us, Lord. And then we're able to give freely uh, what we have to them. <laughs> We freely just give it away and say, hey, this is how family's set up. I can impart this into your family. I can give this to you. And Father, that's what we want to do. So if you're here and you want your family to just be healthy and whole, just say yes to this. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. All right, I'll talk for a couple more minutes. If you want to open to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. If you were not here last week, we, I, I have about nine or ten copies of the message from last week. It's called The Good Shepherd. I, you need to get it. You need to listen to it. It is literally, it's God saying, hey, come to me, I'm good. And, 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 and if you, if you uh, go to the website, you can listen to it there. If you go to iTunes, we have an iTunes account, Bridge Church on iTunes. You can listen to it through there. But I, I'm encouraging you, listen to this because it will help um, bring a focus to who God is. And he's really good. He's not scary. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18 through 22. I'm going to read these and then talk literally just a couple of minutes, and we'll pray into this. Matthew 4, verse 18. It says, Now as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was, also, who was called Peter, 
and Andrew, his brother. And they were casting their net into the sea because they were fishermen. That was their job. That's what their, fam- their families trained them to do. They just passed down from generation. That's all they knew. <laughs> and he said to them, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And look what happens. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother. In the boat with Zebedee their father, they were mending their nets. So they were about to fish again. They were fixing the broken places in their net. And, God, uh, and Jesus comes to them and says, hey, follow me. <laughs> and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. That's pretty interesting. Because I know that many times in my life when the Lord's called me, I was like, there's a couple of things I need to do first. Anyone ever, uh, I got to tie up a few loose ends. Um, I need to take a shower. I'm a little dirty right now. My breath stinks. I got to do some stuff first. Um, I'm really, I really love what I'm doing here. This is my family trade. I don't want to do anything else. Um, so I'm going to stick to this. But not these men. When Jesus called them, they immediately left what they were doing and followed him. Instant. They knew an upgrade when they saw one. <laughs> if, if your cable company calls you and says, hey, we're going to give you a free upgrade. How many of you are going to say, yeah, I'll take a free upgrade? <laughs> Phone company, hey, you've been with us for a couple of years and we're AT&T and we just like you and we want you to know it. We want to give you a free upgrade to where you have more texting and more minutes. How many would say no to that? Oh, no, I don't need it. Hey, we're going to give you a new upgrade on your operating system for your computer. It's free. We just want to give you, thank you for your business. Would you say no to it? Right. These men were doing what they were called to do, doing what they were trained to do, and they were, they were doing a good job at it. And then Jesus comes to them and says, hey, guys, come with me. Let's go do something else. And they knew immediately something inside of them says, you know what? We need to follow this man. And I feel like today that the Lord is calling us the same way. It kind of goes along as a tag from last week, but the Lord is saying, come close to me. Come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. I will, I will fulfill every dream that's in your heart. I will make you complete and content, not lacking anything. Come follow me. Look at all the benefits that come with following me. I feel like that's what's going on. It's like echoing in the room from last week. I couldn't get away from it. As I was getting ready this morning, I had something, again, completely different prepared. I come in here, and I still felt the weight of of what was said. He's the good shepherd, and he's just saying, come to me. Come close to me. I want to bring you, like I said last week, under my wings like a mother hen with her chicks. I want to bring you close and protect you and close to my heart. And the Lord is saying to you today, follow me. (laughs) In Psalm 27, verse 8, and this has officially become my favorite scripture. And that, it takes a lot to, uh, to, to move the top scriptures down a notch and put this one up, right? You've had those your whole life. Your favorite scripture is this, right? Someone asks you your favorite scripture and you know exactly what it is. Well, I, I've had a change recently. Psalm 27, verse 8 is by far my favorite verse. And it says this. <clears throat> it says, when you said to me, seek my face. My heart said to you, your face, O Lord, I will seek. See why it's number one. <laughs> yeah. It says, when you said, 
to me, seek my face. My heart said, your face, O Lord, I will seek. There's something about us learning to respond to him appropriately. There's something about us commanding our heart and our, our spirit and our bodies to line up with what the Father's calling us to. There's something unique about it. I, I, I'm just now coming to the place where um, quick obedience ha- has become so important to me. Like, not putting off, not arguing with God. I'll do it when I get ready. I'll do it at a more convenient time. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for people to say yes when he says something, right? In 2 Corinthians 3, I want to read a couple more scriptures. I'll say one more thing to end everything up. But 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, but whenever a person, it's talking about reading the old covenant. And so I'm not reading the law of Moses and all that. 2 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17. It says, even, even to this day when they read it, there's a veil. There's something that keeps them from seeing who God really is. There's something that separates them from the life that's in this word. And it's called a veil. He says, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, (laughs) whenever a person does a simple thing, like Mandy said, it's simple. Whenever a person believes and turns, the veil is removed. Some of you in the room, there's there's this veil. And and for whatever reason, like you come to this place and and, and you never can go further than this spot. You, you, you're like, I don't understand. I've been here before. I've felt excited before, and I get to this point, and I just can't go any further. I don't understand it. There's a veil blocking me from the next realm of glory that I'm supposed to go to. The only thing that can remove that veil is for you to turn your heart into the Lord. It's to turn your heart's affection to Him and say, you know what? I'm clearing my mind of everything I know, everything I think I know, everything, I, everything I've ever learned, and I want to hear you speak to me in the moment right now. Look, there's a time for you to lay aside all the knowledge you have of who God is in the Bible. And it's when you need a a word right now. Because for whatever reason, think about it this way. How did Satan tempt Jesus? (laughs) He quoted the Bible to him. Some of us will be in a season where we need to press through this veil and Scriptures will come to our mind that's instruction. And it wasn't God speaking to us to do this certain instruction. It was the enemy using the word of God in the wrong season. So what happens is we do this thing thinking we're obeying the word of the Lord. But it's an old word for us at a different season. And we're misapplying it for the right now. You know, I've I've preached this many different times. But Jesus tells them, hey, don't, don't take sword with you. Don't take clothes with you. Don't even take a bag. And they're like, yes, sir. Then he comes to him later. Hey, sell, sell whatever you have and go get coats and go get clothes and go get swords. And they're like, well, well, you told us before we didn't need it. And now you're telling us we need it. I wish you'd make up your mind. Why? Because there are words. The word of God is for a specific season in our life. Now, the principles of the word of God are meant to come inside of us and build structures. They're meant to become foundations about who God is and the way God works. They're meant to stay inside of us and find that, that treasure, that treasure place in us that only God's word should, should have. And we're supposed to keep them there. But whenever we hit this veil, we can't pull from a reservoir of what God told us to do before. We have to stop and say, God, I need to know what you need me to do now. 
I need to open my heart for a fresh word from you right now. See, the Bible says that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It didn't say that preceded, that, that one time came out of his mouth. It means current. How can I hear a current word from the Lord? I have to turn to him. He says, follow me. I have to say, okay, Lord, I follow you. He says, seek my face. I have to say, Lord, your face I will seek. There's this thing that, ha- it's a dance. It's a dance. And he's leading. And he takes a step, and we take a step. And he takes a step, and we take a step. And he takes a step, we take a step. You getting that? It's, there's a rhythm to this, and it only can happen when we turn towards him. Then what happens? When I turn towards him, the veil is completely taken away. all of a sudden, the things that I thought came with the kingdom, but I've never been able to touch, are now within my reach. All of a sudden, the things that I thought about God that were too good to be true, have suddenly become possibilities. Are you guys here? When we turn to him, the veil is removed and our mind is renewed. In the renewed mind, the things that seemed impossible look possible. The things that seemed distant now seem close. The things that seemed too good to be true about God, now, no, that, that he's actually better than that. <laughs> that happens when we just turn towards him. Just turning towards him. And I feel that right now, and, and if you if if you missed last week, you need to listen to last week and add it to what I'm saying today because it'll, it'll all tie it up. And for time's sake, I'm not going to go back and, and do a review. But turning to the Lord removes the veil. And then it says, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. <laughs> so I was in this cycle before where I came to this veil, came to this veil, came to this veil, came to this veil, came to this veil. And now the Lord says, no, the veil is removed. Now it's time for you to come to another dimension. It's time for you to step into a new realm, a new way of thinking, a new way of doing things. And it it only happens by turning to him. When we do that, the veil is removed, and then all of a sudden, heaven's government comes to our life. When you think of government, what do you think of? (laughs) <laughs> I love that. I, I wanted to ask that because I wanted to hear some of the answers. Because when I think of government, I think of restrictive in a lot of ways. I was, I was watching a, you know, one of my favorite, favorite shows, Gold Rush. Uh, I'm going to preach about it every week, talk about Gold Rush. But, man, the, the, the federal regulations on, the, on, on these guys are so strict and so crazy. It makes it hard for them to do their jobs. Because the, gov- the government says, oh, you can't do what you... Can- this mine's been open for 23 years, and, and they've never had a problem. And they say, well, you can't do the way you've been doing it for 23 years. You've got to do it the way we tell you to do it. Uh, wait a second. It's worked for 23 years. So sometimes we think of government, we think of restriction. We think of speed limits and red lights and taxes and fill in the blank, right? Government wasn't meant to control people or corral people. It was meant to bring freedom to people. 
That's why I'm 100% for limited government. Because when government gets too big, people get too small. (laughs) When government gets smaller, people can get bigger. Why? Because heaven's government is freedom, not restriction. So the veil before was a veil of restriction in my life. I could only go so far. I turn to the Lord, the veil is removed, all of a sudden the impossible becomes possible. And now the government of heaven comes upon my life and that government is a a light, not a heavy burden, but it's freedom. (laughs) You would think that God would say, where the spirit of the Lord is, everyone does what they're supposed to do. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, everyone obeys the rules. (laughs) Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is no misbehavior. He doesn't say that. He says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, people are free. Free. And John 8 says, if the Son has made you free, you're free. (laughs) That's it. Because God's yes means yes. Amen? Amen. So the Lord wants us to turn so the veil can be removed. And I'm going to close with this. The way I position myself, according to how God is, is what I will receive from Him. If I position myself as a son or as a daughter, I will receive from Him as a son or a daughter. What do I mean by that? There's a submission that comes with it. Just like if, if, you, if you honor your wife as a woman of God, as someone who hears the voice of the Lord, then you'll withdraw the nutrients that comes from her relationship with God. Wives, if your husband is a man of God, and he, and he may not say a lot, but when he speaks, it's the word of the Lord, and you begin to honor him for that position of being able to hear God's word and speak it, then you can draw from his strength in that area. Maybe you're weak there, but because he's strong, and you position yourself properly in honor, you get what he gets. When we come and turn ourselves to the Lord in a place of honor, in a place of submission, are you hearing this? We have positioned ourselves to freely receive from him. But if I turn my back to him, or if I don't turn my face to him, or if I rebel or say, wait later, I have broken the place of 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 uh, agreement. I have broken the, the highway between he and I where his, where his kingdom flows into my life. It can only happen if I turn myself to him. When you said, seek your face, Lord, my heart said, your face, Lord, I will seek. That's how we position ourselves. That's how we live in freedom. Look, some of us think that, that Christianity is about what we can't do and what we don't do. But along with showing people what family is, as a church, we, we've made this one of our goals. One of my, prayer, one of my number one things I pray is, God, let us show people what freedom in Christ is. Let us show people what freedom. Let people really be free and know that they can walk in freedom. And freedom for you may be different than freedom for me, but let's be free. Let's just be free. Nothing between us and God. No space between us. No hidden things, no, no veil withholding myself from him or him from me. Just turning to him. Jesus said, hey, follow me. 
And they followed him. <clears throat> Amen. Let's just pray before we do anything else. Uh, Father, honestly, I'm not sure what to do now. I I ask that you would just speak to hearts, and I pray that we would respond. I pray you fix the thing in us that keeps us from responding every time, 100% 100 of the time. I pray now that your word would go deep in our hearts. Lord, like the proverb says, one thing I've heard, two things I've understood. I pray today that for every one thing they've heard, I pray that in your spirit you teach them two things. Again, this is the year of old school for us. This is our altar area. We've moved chairs back for a reason because we want the space to be where we seek the Lord. And so I'm asking you, if you felt a tug on your heart during this word, just respond to the Lord now, okay? That's all I'm going to say. I'm, I'm going to spend time here, and then Matt's going to close the service out if he can balance the two. And uh, so if you felt the Lord call you, come follow him. Now's the time, all right? To the cross I cling Of its suffering I do drink Of its work I do sing On it must save you Both bruised and crushed Showing that God is love
encourage you don't miss your opportunity to get in touch with God right now right now is a, it's a quiet time you have nothing else going on so don't miss this chance I mean, you know life is crazy as soon as you walk out of this building you'll be bombarded with a hundred different thoughts of to do's and stresses so you don't you know if you want to come up to the altar and have time up here, or if you want to do it in your chair, either way, I just want to encourage you, don't don't miss this time. I'm just going to pause for a second, and I will close it out in a moment, but I just want to give you time. Lost in love.